0: Welcome to the Your Life Choices Podcast. I'm John Deeks and I'm joined by Peter Quarry, the author of If I Were You. Hello, Peter. Hello, John. It's great to have you here. Now, you're a multi-award winning Australian psychologist and you recently released that book, If I Were You. We talked about that recently and uh, it's walking out the door. Where can people get that book? Oh, by look, the way? Where
1: any, anywhere where good books are sold, either you know uh, bricks and mortar or online. Okay. We'll talk about where they can online get that. Are you going
0: into bookshops and getting your book and put it at the front? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Good.
1: He's an honest man. I, I, look, I am. I mean, look, at my age, why Why lie? No, you know what I've discovered? An interesting thing as an author, you can actually go into a bookshop and say, you are selling my book, and they kind of go, ooh, ah, uh, ooh, ah, uh, and then you can actually ask and you can sign them, and they put a little sticker on the front oh, of the really? book saying, signed by the author. Now, I never knew that. Wow. So I love doing it. I go in and um, I sign the books.
0: I'm going to go in, find Peter Quarry's book, and sign them myself. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how that goes down. Now, look, um, seriously, though, uh, today we're going to do something that we've not done on the Your Life Choices podcast. We're going to answer questions that we've had from our members into the Your Life Choices okay. uh, uh, mothership. And whether it be uh, on life or loneliness, love, pain or sadness, yep. we have a selection from the members and uh, who have allowed us the privilege of entering into their world, Pete. Okay. And, and we hope that uh, you'll be able to respond to them and maybe give some advice, and it could be advice that could help others as well. Absolutely. I'll try my best, John. Uh, here we have a letter from, from Karen. We don't know where you are from, Karen, but thank you for uh, for sending in this in- inquiry. I uh, listened to your recent interview with John Deeks on The old Life Choices recently and uh, the book. She bought it. She read it. She loved it. There you go. I wonder if it was signed. <laughs> Karen, we'll try and help that out. Thank you, Karen. Uh, I have a question for you. I have this old friend who we've known each other for years uh, but there's always something wrong happening in her life. Uh She's never happy and seems intent on dumping all her problems on me. Don't we all know somebody who does that? We do. And if if it's not issues with their neighbours or her kids or her health or her boss – or this and that, the life that uh, the list goes on and on. Yep. I'm getting to the stage where I'm avoiding answering the phone if she calls, but I want to be a supportive friend. Mm. We've known each other for a long time. These are the kind of people who you get who sort of dump all these. They feel
1: fantastic yep. later. That's but right. You, you go like, oh, oh. look. I think we all know that sort of person, and and they're almost they're almost. I mean, I don't want to use this word, but I feel like it bloodsuckers. Yep. In that in yep. that they drain the life out of you. All the goodies. And they yeah. take take take, and they don't give give give. And okay, Karen, so what advice can I give you? Well, I guess to start with, let me tell you a couple of things that you should stop doing or not do. First of all, you should stop listening as intently as you probably are because what you're probably doing is this person is talking, you're making eye contact, you're nodding, Too you're, empathetic. Going, uh-huh. <laughs> you're you're listening, you're caring, you're responding. And, of course, what you are doing is you are rewarding the very behaviour that you don't want because when you do that, you encourage the person to keep on talking. So the first thing I'd, I'd suggest is try and – not look at her when she's talking or not nod, not, in other words, encourage, encourage, encourage. The other thing that I would suggest that you stop doing is when people like this talk to you, there's a great temptation to give them advice. Well, why don't you try doing this? You know, try this, John. Have you thought about doing this? And what these people often do is they play a game with you, which I call the yes but game, and it goes something like this. So, John, I might be sort of, you might be, you know, dumping all your problems onto me, and I say, well, John, have you thought about doing blah blah blah? And you'll say, yes, but that's exactly right on cue. Yes, but I can't do it because I don't have the money, or yes, I can't do it because I don't have the time, or whatever it is. And so you get stuck in this kind of loop, loop with yeah. this person, and it's very very frustrating. And you go away feeling completely drained. So those are two things that I would suggest that you stop doing. Can you? Say to them, do you know, I love you so much
0: and we've known each other for so long, but you know, you come to me and it's always problems and I feel absolutely exhausted after you leave and In other words, can you be honest?
1: Look, you can be. um, Gently. You you can be. It depends on the person. It depends on the relationship. It depends on how well you can do that because often people trying to do that can come across as a little bit aggressive and it can actually cause a sort of a problem in the relationship. But look, as you know, I'm a great believer in honesty, so certainly that is – one possibility. I guess there are a couple of things that you can do on top of that. I mean, one is to try and change the subject, Mm. change the topic. Mm. So in other words, if you, John, are going on and on and on and on and on about something, I just change the topic and say, do you think it's going to rain today? Mm. (laughs) What what did you think of the footy match last Saturday? In other words, just try and change the topic. Now, they will try and Bring, it, bring back. it back to you. So you keep with the different topic or go to another topic. Now, that can work. And maybe after you do that several times, the penny might drop. Might drop is the interesting word. Another possibility is to, instead of giving advice, as I said before, that's not a good idea. Another possibility is to try and push the other person to try and come up with a solution to their problem. What do you think you should do? Exactly. Right. Now, you're putting it onto them rather than giving the advice. Oh,
0: I don't know. I've had a think about it, but I I can't –
1: I don't know what to do. What would you do? Well, John, you're a pretty smart person. I'd be really interested to hear what you think. Now, in other words, you flip it it back. They're going to try and flip it back to you. You flip it back to them again. Now, a really good skill to use in this situation is silence. When you ask a question, so I say to you, John, what do you think you can do about this? Mm. Uh... Oh, okay, and then you just stop. You use silence to put pressure on the other person to try and come up with an answer. That's a really, really good skill because, of course, silence makes us feel uncomfortable. We want to fill the silence. So you can use that to put that pressure on the other person. I mean... The other options that you can do, as in fact Karen has already started to think about, you can start limiting your interaction. You cannot answer the call, Mm -hmm. particularly if it's after 7 o'clock at night.
0: Karen's going to feel bad.
1: Well, that's right. Then the final thing I suggest is don't feel guilty about this. You know, you are not there providing a social service to people. You are not a counsellor. You are not a welfare agent. Mm -hmm. You know, you're a friend and it's unreasonable – to get dumped on with all of these problems all the time. So don't feel that you're letting the person down. It is okay to say no, to set up limits, to push back.
0: Karen, I hope that helps. Um, We have uh, another letter here. Um, I heard you being interviewed by John Deeks the other week, and I wonder if you could help me. I am 64 years old. And my doctor tells me I need to make some big changes in my life. For a start, I'm overweight. I'm also a smoker, which is not a great idea, seeing as I've been diagnosed with high blood pressure. It's overwhelming and difficult. Where do I start, Peter? Help. Uh,
1: Yes. Well, look, um, it's very hard to change habits, particularly habits that you've had for a long time. And you know, whether it's giving up smoking or, you know, doing exercise or eating more healthily or whatever it is. And often what we do is we try to do things, you know, we try to make these changes and we have a relapse. We, you know, hop back on the fags or the booze or whatever it is. And what can happen is that we can start feeling that, Change is just not possible; that we're not capable of it. And the psychological term for that is called self-efficacy. It, it's the belief that I can do things that I want to do. And if we if we try things and we repeatedly fail, what happens is we end up with low self-efficacy. We we have this feeling that I can't do anything. I'm not really in control of my life. So, I mean, let me give you an example. Um, I remember a few years ago, I decided that I wanted to take up swimming, mm-hmm. and I thought to myself, "How am I going to do this? You get um, in the water? Yeah, <laughs> well, it's not just about getting in the water, just splashing around. It was about having a plan, uh-huh. right? And there's, I think, there's a saying. What is it? If you if you fail to plan, you plan to, to fail, fail. Yeah. Um, and it's very, very true. Now, what did I do? I decided that I wanted to swim. But instead of immediately jumping in saying, okay, I'm going to do 20 laps, because I know that if I tried to do that, I would have got to about lap three and a half and then finished. Too hard. This swimming thing is not for me. So what I did is I, I set a number of very small but realistic goals. And that is the key to change, to setting small and realistic goals, manageable goals, goals that you can achieve. Because if you achieve them, Hey, guess what? You start feeling your your self-efficacy goes up. Look, you could be answering these letters yourself, John. (laughs) You're a a natural. (laughs) So what I did is I decided, okay, I'm going to go into the pool and I'm just going to swim one lap. That's it. And then I'm going to get up, have a shower, go home. I did that. I did that for two weeks. And I thought yippee aye, aye, that's pretty good. Then I said, okay, after two weeks, I'm going to double it to two laps, yeah. and so on and so. On. Guess what? I now swim a kilometre three times a week. Wow. And if you had told me that five years ago that I would be swimming a kilometre three times a week, I would have said, you know, you're, you're off your rocker. So there's three aspects to having a plan: break whatever it is that you want to do down to a number of small attainable chunks, and set goals, you know, be realistic, make them attainable. So if, for example, you know, you're smoking and you want to give up the fags, I mean, cold turkey certainly is the best approach if you can do it. But if that's too hard, okay, say, all right, I'm only going to smoke 10 today. Do that for two weeks and then cut down to five. In other words, that's called tapering. So have some goals and um, and be realistic and build in some rewards. You know, if you achieve your goal, give yourself a little treat, give yourself a reward. Now, there's a really interesting issue though with any sort of change like that and That is, what do you do if you have a relapse? Because it's going to happen. There are days that I don't feel like going to the pool. There will be days where I do smoke more than five fags. And the best thing to do is not to see it as a failure, but rather see it as an opportunity to reflect and learn. What went wrong there? Okay, I tried to swim late in the afternoon when I was tired. What do I learn there? Better to swim in the morning when I've got more energy. Yes, I hopped back on the fags. When was that? Well, that was at a party when I was having a couple of grogs. All right, so I need to plan... What to do instead of that situation, or maybe I was smoking because I was hanging out with a particular person, with you, John, for example. Oh. So any relapse treated as a learning experience rather than a failure. What about using friends or mentors? Um, Absolutely fantastic idea. So let's say you want to lose weight, for example, find a buddy who you can do it with, and you know you you, you can you can give each other support, help, encouragement, and it's always easier to do. Uh, something like that with someone. So that's a great idea. Margie, I hope that uh, that is
0: uh, helpful to you. And here we have another letter, Peter Quarry. Uh, could you pass this on to Peter for his thoughts? Uh, I would love to know his opinion. My wife and I recently separated after more than 30 years of marriage. It's not that either of us were cheating or anything like that. We just slowly drifted away from each other and she finally felt that a breakup would allow each of us enough time to create a new life. Ooh, okay. I thought it was a good idea at the time but now I'm having second thoughts. Um, I'm not a bad-looking bloke, I'm told. I'm fit, have a number of interests and can hold a reasonable conversation. But I'm at a loss when it comes to meeting new women and dating and it's been decades since I've done that. I'm scared to tell Ooh. the truth um, and the idea of internet dating in particular freaks me out. Do you have any advice? I'd just like to add a little, uh, and this is from Sam. Thank you for your letter, Sam. Um, I've noticed that a lot of women at a certain age, when their kids have left home, tend to go, well, uh, I'm at a certain age. I don't know how many years I have left. Um, I think I want to get out of this now and I want to live my own life. Is that a recurring theme in your world? Yes, it is. And look, I, I
1: don't blame them. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, you know, and I, I, I'm I not trying it. to, you know, I'm not trying to sound hurtful to anyone, no, you know, no, particularly no. Sam, who's who's experiencing some pain. I, I don't think it's a bad idea that if you get to a particular point in your life, you realise that you've got a limited number of years left, sure. and you want to try and make the most of it. Now, whether it's changing partner or changing where you live or changing what you do, yeah. it doesn't matter. But I think at this sort of age, we need to. Be very aware of the fact that time is limited and then make make good choices. I mean, not necessarily rash choices, but good choices. But the issue that Sam raises about dating is something that I hear again and again and again. And um, look, I think the success has a lot to do with your attitude, to how you how you view it. And, l- and let me give you two examples. And these are real examples from people I know. I know one woman, and they're both they're both females. Not not that that matters that much. Um, One woman I know has been dating for a number of years online. She views it as a chore. She is very pessimistic about it. She gets very angry with people who she meets if they don't necessarily respond to her straight away. She's extremely picky. And the whole experience for her has been really, really negative. And I think we often hear those negative stories, and maybe that's why Sam's feeling a little bit freaked out. On the other hand, and this is an absolutely true story, John, I know another woman, you know, mid-60s, who um, had avoided dating for a lot of time because she still had children who were growing up. They finally left home and she said, right, I'm going to start dating now. Um, I remember I looked at her profile and I said, no, not that picture and let's rewrite the profile. Anyway, she approached the whole dating thing as if it was fun. Let, let's enjoy this. Adventure. let's just let's play. Let's have an adventure. Let's not worry too much about what happens, what the outcomes are. Let's just enjoy the process. She met someone. this is God's honest truth. She met someone within two weeks. Now I think she was a little on the lucky side, but within two weeks and they have been together now for about a year or two and they describe each other as the loves of their lives. Wow, I know it's a true story. so I think it depends a lot on 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 your you, attitude. You,
0: I know so many people who have uh, got married after meeting online yeah and me at you know 72 I, I can't Im- imagine because look I'll I'll fess up here um, I t- to our listeners I mean I know you already know, but uh, I had a, a 32 year relationship uh, which ended and I just hid. For a year and a half, yeah, uh, on my boat, and uh, didn't date, didn't go anywhere until I, yeah. I
1: met somebody who I knew from thirty years ago. Yeah, and uh, which is that, very, which which is not uncommon, actually. Is that right? Oh yeah, not not uncommon to rekindle a relationship from long past. Anyway, I digress. Yeah, no, no, and I just uh, it, it, it's wonderful, but I I felt
0: terrified to have to go out and date and to go online. I thought, oh, gee, you know, do I want to be one of those people? But now it's a bit like driving a Chinese car. It's not so bad anymore (laughs) and
1: uh, it's quite acceptable online is is well look look humble th- th- and all that two points I make to what you're saying John first of all when a relationship ends often you do have to go through a period of mourning sure. even if you've been the leave or rather than the leavey yeah so you know you mightn't want to rush straight into dating and you might need to accept that there's a period of time that you need to heal to mourn to let go of the previous relationship before yes. you move on so i think timing is one issue but the second issue that you raise is i guess the stigma around online dating. And I think, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, the idea of being online online and dating, you know, you know, you're know, you a bit pathetic, you're a bit tragic, you're yes. a bit sad. Not Nowadays, now. oh, yeah. everyone's doing it, even the young, beautiful people are doing it. So I think the stigma has completely gone. Should he perhaps get a friend who could help him like you did with, with your uh,
0: clients, but
1: get somebody to help? Get a profile up. Look absolutely. Someone who's they, had a success. Uh, look absolutely, because at the end of the day, the profile is like an advertisement. It's got to be good, otherwise you're not going to get any takers. Yeah. So you know, get, get get a friend, get a friend in. Um, maybe somebody who's going to be doing it as well. Yeah. Make sure that the photo is attractive. I mean, I, I I have a look every now and online, and some of the photos really n- no, okay. no. So you need somebody, somebody
0: who who's experienced or has
1: has. Actually- yeah, but you know, just just an external eye who can say you know, that's not the best photo. Maybe there's another one. Um, Certainly, you need to, I think, be careful not to overdo the amount of time that you spend. It can get addictive. And I know myself, Uh, I met my current partner online and when I was doing it, you know, I was spending hours and hours and hours. So just don't spend too long on it so that it doesn't become an addiction. Um, You know, make sure that there are still other ways in which you can meet people, you know, maybe go to parties and social clubs and activities.
0: And especially if you have an interest, Sam, in, say, uh Motorcars, well... uh, Chinese motorcars. But if you you have a a particular like, whether it be a probus
1: club or or whatever, there's a chance to meet uh, lots of people. Absolutely. So keep the internet dating as just one element of that. Um, I do think there are a couple of other points I want to make. Um, It's a numbers game, John. So you know you've got to go through a certain number of people before you you, you know you were dating anyway. Well, exactly. you know I always remember many years ago I met a, a guy. I mean this is not a dating story, but it's a story about numbers. I met this guy who was one of Australia's top insurance salespeople. I mean this guy was super 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 successful. And I remember saying to him, you know, you you have to make a lot of calls to people and you probably get a lot of rejections. How do you deal with the rejections? Because no one likes being rejected. And he said to me from his experience, he knew that he had to make 10 calls in order to get one person interested. And then he had to have 10 people interested before he made one sale. It was a numbers game. And so when he got a rejection, instead of feeling, uh, flat and uh, he said, I love getting a rejection because it's one step Step closer closer to to the next. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, if you can have that mindset, that attitude while you do this, I think that helps enormously. Well, before we do wrap up, Peter, do you have any other last thoughts on this uh, letter from Sam? Oh, look, I guess the um, the the question is, you know, how do you handle meeting up with somebody? So you've met them online. I suggest be very careful because oh. there is is the possibility of scams. You know, you've got to be very careful about revealing your name and telephone numbers and confidentiality. Sure. So I suggest taking it slowly, you know, so you've met somebody, maybe you're texting them go to a phone call, you phone them and lock your telephone number so that they don't have it. I mean, no matter how well you've got on with them, be careful around mm-hmm. confidentiality. And if you're going to meet, meet in a cafe in a crowded place, you know, I don't want to be scary about this, but there is always the possibility of danger, so you want to be careful about that.
0: Peter Quarry, the author of If I Were You, he's a multi-award-winning Australian psychologist, and that book is a good read.
1: It's actually about, uh, well, about his own life. There's self-reflection, isn't it, Peter? It is. Well, the, the, the name is If I Were You, a psychologist puts himself on the couch, and that's me. Gives him a good slap around and <laughs> helps him helps that's... him uh, into the pool. And a bit of an encouragement, too, everybody.
0: Peter Quarry is uh, very kind to give up his time, and if you have a a question for Peter um, about any of the subjects we've just raised or anything else, send your letters to newsletters at yourlifechoices.com.au. Just one uh, word there, newsletters. Newsletters at yourlifechoices.com.au. Thank you, Peter, and we'll catch you next time. Absolute pleasure. If you'd like to know more about Your Life Choices, then make sure you join the 270,000 members plus because we are Australia's longest established and most trusted digital destination for the op 50s. I'm your host, John Deeks, and along with Peter Quarry, thank you, be well, be happy, and we'll see you next time.